So Bradley again is is great on the consulting side, great on the analytics side. They have this property or this analysis uh, they call as the Bradley loyalty quotient, where they actually measure whether a customer is emotionally becoming more loyal with you or not. Very path-breaking kind of stuff, right? So they actually break down loyalty into saying rationally rational loyalty, which is are they spending more with you, and emotional loyalty, which is are they actually becoming more emotionally attached with the brand. Right, so some really cool stuff uh, there. But again, you know, I think the the piece that on Riley, their customers were not very kicked with was the technology side, which is capillary very really good at. Hi, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're doing well. Welcome to Forbes India's Tech Conversations, where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs, and investors. I'm Hari Arakli. And in this episode, Anish Reddy, co-founder and vice chairman at Capillary Technologies in Bengaluru, looks back at his first attempt at cracking the U.S. market and some of the learnings from that experience some 10 years ago. He also talks about how Capillary is today well on its way to becoming a global leader in the loyalty management solutions space. He expects the company to grow as much as 80% this year, and hit the $100 million revenue mark in two years. Anish also talks about how acquisitions are helping Capillary's global expansion and why it's a great time to buy now. Anish, thanks so much for making time at short notice. Really appreciate this. Um, You're among the first generation founder successes of SaaS companies in India. I mean, Maybe for a more general audience, you could give us a sense of what capillary is today, just for a minute or two, and then I want to dive right into your big push into the US market. Uh, thanks, Hari. Thanks for having me uh, uh, here. Uh, very quickly for an introduction uh, on, on capillary, uh, we play in the loyalty management uh, space. Uh, you know, So we help uh, consumer-facing businesses, You know, whether you're a bank, whether you're a retailer, whether you're a uh, a telco, whether you're a conglomerate like Tata, uh, with you know the the loyalty programs they run, their membership programs, their subscriptions, uh, a bunch of that stuff. So uh, I'm guessing a lot of you would have seen the Tata Neo ads. Uh, so the Neo program runs on us. So if you download a Neo and you've got the Neo Pass and some of that, that that's powered by Capillary, just as a uh, example there for you. Okay, very nice. So a lot of developments. At your end, uh, in the recent, I guess, 18 months to a year, and definitely this year, you've already announced two acquisitions. Uh, so give us a sense of uh, the timing of your you know, big expansion into the U.S. market. What are some of the things that you're seeing? Right. So, you know, this is our third year in the U.S. We started the U.S. in 2021. And if you remember, we did a small acquisition then, which uh, we, had, we had spoken about. Uh, this was sure. in September of 2021. Uh, you know, we uh, when we got into the US, it was a a, a small company, three and a half million dollars in revenues that we bought, um, and that business has grown about four times since. You know, again, we 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 bought a loyalty company itself, someone in the same space. So we were looking at uh, a business that can get us market entry, a few uh, referenceable customers, a good set of employees. Right, that was what we were looking for. Uh, and that acquisition we did in September 2021, Persuade did quite well. Right? So we've rebranded it as Capillary. It's just one product now. Uh, 
we've we won multiple large customers on the back of that acquisition so uh so that thesis kind of worked out i mean if you if you look at you know uh and the us happens to be the largest uh, saas or software market in any category right so so this year we hence uh, decided to kind of you know and loyalty as a business is very sticky you know uh, the average customer you know if you look at a forester analysis uh, the customer sticks with their loyalty provider for at least 8 to 12 years right so and and what that meant for us was either you wait for the next rfp to come up or you go and you know uh, buy companies which are in the loyalty management space uh and migrate those customers to a much better tech platform right so and that's kind of what we're doing now right so while there is a good organic growth happening uh we're trying to supplement the organic growth through an inorganic strategy right so uh and and this year you know we also ended up uh, as the leader on the forester loyalty wave so a lot of customers are themselves saying look i think this and you know uh, be the highest rated product globally now uh on on forester and they do a very deep analysis right it's not like g2 uh but it's like a super deep analyst analysis and then they rate you on some 28 different parameters it's a, it's a lot of um deep work so where that's working well is so we buying some of these old uh loyalty companies which have a good book of business uh pretty good solid customers and then you go to customers and say look uh, here's a better platform and that's not what we are saying that's by the way what forester who's the best analyst in the space saying why don't you take a look and we'll upgrade you free right we'll upgrade you from the older tech stack to the newer tech tech stack free and i think that story is resonating very well with customers as well you know and uh, where it gives us an advantage is we just modify the existing software that they were using into a middleware so integration some of that becomes very seamless right so you're solving for people taking forever to come up with rfps and the whole integration headache with you know a, a thing like this so that's the two acquisitions right and the intent is to do more of those uh, going forward probably not this year but uh, more in the uh, in the years ahead right so uh, yeah hmm. i recall you told us once i think very early on uh, at capillary you you made a foray into the us but then decided to come back and focus on india and uh, uh, nearby more nearby markets um Uh, so just to expand what you uh, spoke about now with analysts recognizing your work a lot and how the persevered acquisition working out very well uh, do you want to delve into that a little bit more in the sense that what are some of the initiatives within uh, the company that are really coming together now as well as what are you seeing in the external market specifically in the US that's kind of all now helping you to you know kind of step up your expansion into the US market. Perfect. So, um hey, I think uh, you brought this right, right? So we tried the US out in 2013, 14, roughly 10 years ago. And I think the difference then was, you know, it was the first time we were doing US, so uh, we spent we hired a lot of people, but you know, we didn't get the right insights on what would work in the US, right? Uh on the other hand, this time what we realized was it's large enterprises like the Tatas, the Shells, uh who use us uh, today and that's the same customer set that we want to win in the US right so what that meant was um, that all these large enterprises tend to go buy from uh, the risk is the biggest factor in a large enterprise right uh, 
So they they want to buy software which is used by someone else or is validated by an analyst, right? So that's that's how we, that's why Gartner and Forrester are so important, right? Because if you want to send an RFP as a Fortune 200 or a Fortune 500, you typically go and call up the Forrester analyst or the Gartner analyst and say, look, hey, I'm trying to do this. Who should I reach out to? Right? Or who should I send the RFP to? Right? So, and so our approach this time was very that, was saying, let's get referenceability right if we really want to win in the US. So, and hence the path of, uh, you know, saying buy a company which has five customers, so you're referenceable, you know, let's spend time working with a forester, working with other analysts in the space. Uh, you know, so so if someone calls them up, they know that, look, here's a, here's a good uh, platform that we can recommend, right? In fact, most of our business today, Hari, in the US is also partner-led. You know, given Capillary is a new brand in the US, right? No one knows us, uh, to be honest. So what we've done is we've actually gone tied up with a lot of these loyalty uh, consulting firms where they go do the program design, they go do the uh, what should a company do with loyalty uh, type conversations. And once that conversation is done, the customer asks them, look, you know, is there a platform we can use? And so they refer us and that's how we get in, right? So so th that's been some of the initiatives that have worked, like analyst relationships, partnerships in the US. Uh, you know, uh, those have been the two big ones. If you ask me, the third thing we've done is We've kind of doubled down on loyalty as our uh, as our core product, uh, right? So, I mean, we do have an engaged stack, we do have some other products around, but what we're realizing is this is the product we're really good at, right? This is the product which, you know, most people say uh, buy from capillary, right? So, uh, so that's been some of the stuff that's really uh, worked over the last year and a half uh, or two. Okay, so Persuade has worked out very well for you. Uh, walk us through the other Two acquisitions now that you've announced in the US, overall globally now five or six acquisitions. If I remember from your press releases, uh, Briarly Plus Partners was a few months ago, and then correct more recently, uh, Digital Connect Assets. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so Briarly again is a uh, is a very um, so Hal Briarly, who was the founder at uh, Briarly, uh, you know, started Epsilon, which is the behemoth on the loyalty side. They're a $2 billion plus revenue company. Uh, in 1968, Briley and Partners was Hal's second company in 1984. And uh, Hal was, by the way, one of the guys who came up with the American Airlines, um, you know, A Advantage program. He then rinsed and repeated that with Hilton Honors. Uh, you know, so, so the thing about Briley is, I think they've designed some really good programs over the years. Uh, you know, 1984 is it's obviously a, a fairly historied company, right? They've designed over a couple of hundred uh, different programs for uh, uh, large multinational, you know, leading brands in the US, right? So, so Briley again is is great on the consulting side, great on the analytics side. They have this property or this analysis uh, they call as the Briley loyalty quotient, where they actually measure whether a customer is emotionally becoming more loyal with you or not very path-breaking kind of stuff, right? So they actually break down loyalty into saying rationally, rational loyalty, which is are they spending more with you and emotional loyalty, which is are they actually becoming more emotionally attached with the brand, right? So some really cool stuff uh, there. But again, you know, I think the the piece that on Briley, their customers were not very kicked with was the technology side, which is capillary we really good at, right? So, uh, and so with Briley coming in, we kind of get 
some really good uh, uh, experience on the uh, consulting and the uh, you know uh, analytics uh, uh, side uh, uh, again in the loyalty space right so i think the goal for us hari as capillary is to build the best loyalty company out there right so over the next 10 years if we can get to being like great at one product uh, i think i we'd be very happy right uh, as a business that you know we could at least deliver one world class like really good product as a company uh, which one globally everywhere right so so in that sense all our acquisitions are going to be in the loyalty space itself and you know briley adds this piece of the consulting side the long term analytics side whether it's working not working some of that coming in right so the other good piece about briley is just given the kind of programs that they have delivered over the years uh, like uh, you know our, one of our our current ceo samir jokes around that briley is kind of the hul for talent like you know uh, pretty much a lot of the loyalty industry came out from briley and partners right so it's a very it's a 40 year old firm right for a for a 15 year old firm to acquire a 40 year old firm is different but uh there's a lot of good brand recognition there right so uh so i think that will also help the capillary story uh so we we unlike persuade where we sunset the brand the intent is not to sunset the briley brand we'll keep it as the consulting and the um you know the uh, long term briley loyalty quotient some of that we'll we'll keep there so that's that's briley for you uh again it's about two and a half months since the acquisition you know things are settling quite well uh um yeah i think this is our fifth acquisition so we've we know some of the stuff to like not not make mistakes on right the more the acquisitions you do you understand some of that a little better uh on the on the uh, digital connect side it's uh, come out from a larger company called tenerity uh, so what digital connect does is it's a rewards platform it extends our platform into uh, so our customers can go redeem their points or redeem their uh, on other brands on travel on uh you know movie tickets and things like that right so basically extending your own loyalty program for giving benefits to customers and other places right so that's what uh rewards does uh, that's what uh, digital connect does we rebranding it as rewards plus uh um again what rewards plus does is a a little bit of what persuade does for us did for us a lot of the customers are in europe so it's a beachhead into europe for us uh so we now have like eight nine customers in in uh, uk and europe uh, a good team so looking to repeat the persuade story with with uh, with rewards plus right and the other pieces there uh, it also gets us access into banking and telecom uh, as new verticals which as capillary we haven't been in uh, right so uh, and you know uh, again both of these were companies that were owned by large strategics Uh, and just given the macro environment a lot of these strategics don't want to continue investing in those businesses right so i think it's it's a good time to buy if you have the money mm. and and across these acquisitions your business model would you continue to work like a pure play saas company yeah so uh, both in briley as well as uh, uh, you know i think consulting gives you a foot in the door but it's never going to be more than 2 3% of our revenue right mm-hmm. it's if you remember i mean sap does this very well right so sap has a large consulting arm in in india uh, where they run these transformation erp projects they'll come to you and say look hey if you use sap you would save so much or this is all that that will get saved right so uh, so the intent is to use that beachhead to kind of 
like sell the SaaS platform, right? Mm-hmm. So similarly on Rewards Plus, uh, there again, it's a it's a platform play to rewards. Uh, what they've nicely done is they've integrated into affiliate networks. They've integrated into a, a bunch of stuff, which otherwise is very manual, right? I mean, like you would have someone sitting, getting you offers. They've not done that. They've actually integrated into a Rakuten, into a bunch of other affiliate networks like that to actually bring in offers or bring in uh, places where you can redeem, right? So it continues to be, you know, SaaS. I think uh, continues to be SaaS in that sense. Mm. So when the, the latest Series D funding of $45 million, will that be primarily used for these acquisitions or did you already kind of, you know, have your own money and funding will also be used for other things? So uh, I, I think the business has been, like the last two quarters, we've generated cash as a business, right, as capillary. Uh, the core business is at a break-even or generating cash, right? So uh, so most of the money being raised is for acquisition, sorry. Hmm. You know, I think, uh, uh, like, like I said, we want to build the best loyalty company out there. And we know that it's a very sticky business. So customers stick with you for a long time. Uh, and we think, uh, given some of these companies weren't great at tech, uh, right. And the, and the fact is, I think a lot of the customers want to move to better tech, right. So this is a, uh, if, if done well, this can be a good, like, uh, CAC substitutions type model for, uh, for, uh, growing, right. So in fact, both of these deals are, are the, the break-even on them is, is like buying a new customer. Right. So it, it's, it's similar mathematics. Uh, although there's of course the work of moving the customer onto one platform, you know, so it, it, it's going to take work. Uh, but the good piece is I think this accelerates growth for us significantly. Right. So mm-hmm. give us a sense of how you're growing today. And, and do you want to also maybe talk a little bit more specifically about with all these acquisitions, what kind of targets you all are looking at you know so the last few years uh, you know the uh, the focus has been on profitably growing right so mm. we're growing in the mid 30s profitably for the last couple of years uh, mm. right so uh, the intent is to organically continue growing at the same pace right so mm. I, like if you really ask me what we want to deliver is mid 30s growth with a 10% free cash right so mm. and hopefully between this year and early next year we will get there right like uh, mid 30s growth with uh, the, the good piece is the uh, given it's a SaaS platform, our gross margins are in the early 70s, right? So any incremental revenue comes with like a good amount of that going down to the bottom line, right? So mm-hmm. so if you're growing at 30 percent, you can deliver that 10 percent free cash, right? So uh, uh, and and the inorganic side, of course, is the view there is to say, look, whatever you're buying these companies on. Can you, can you, can you deliver EBITAs from that customers to pay it off in two or three years? Right. So it's a very typical roll up type math and customers stick with you for seven, eight years. So you make money after that. Right. So you, uh, so hence actually a, a bunch of these acquisitions is also part debt funded. You know, it, it's a typical roll up type play. The only difference we're doing is we're saying we'll roll up only in the loyalty space because we have the best product there. So, you know, we're looking at it like a CAC substitution type type uh, model there, right? Hopefully, my, my belief is uh, if done well, this can double our growth, you know, mm-hmm. and double our growth without like burning. Uh, every incremental percent of growth is very expensive in SaaS, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this might be, if this model works for us, 
this can give you that additional growth without burning that money how should one interpret that you'll go from compounded growth rates of 35 36 type of person to 70% kind of growth this year i think we'll grow like 70 80% ah okay by the last year last last 12 months to next 12 months we'll definitely grow around 80% half uh, little less than half coming from organic the rest coming from inorganic and as uh, hopefully as the um, you know the economic slowdown possibly uh, kind of eases over the next say 18 months you, you think you can sustain that kind of growth or even go faster of course you'll be a bigger company i get that so half our growth hurry the organic side actually comes from existing customers buying more mm. right so and and other than the two years of covid uh, every other year we've had between 117 to 125% same customer growth okay right okay. other than the two years of covid covid was very bad for us uh, mm-hmm. you know, we were only retail then and retail just went through a very bad patch in the 18 months of covid right so mm-hmm. uh, other than those two years so so inherently the, the there is a like if i'm looking to go mid 30s or early 30s organic growth about two thirds of that or a little less than two thirds of that comes from existing customers growing Okay. Right, so so it's really only the other one third that you have to really hunt, right? So and is there a slowdown in the market? There definitely is, right? So, but uh, and you know, but the flip side is also that you can also now buy stuff at prices which you would never be able to buy otherwise. Mm-hmm. So this is a little bit of a supplement to that in our heads, right? So we we think we'll grow a little bit more than thirty percent organically this year, and then you're supplementing that with. really value uh, when you're looking at uh, buying right so uh. and and do you want to say where you are at in terms of your revenue are you well past the 50 million mark or you much bigger little slow smaller where are you at we we are well past the 50 million okay hopefully in the next 2 years we'll get to 100 okay all right on on the tech and the product front uh, what are you most excited about uh, today uh, what are you working on you know i think uh, a bunch of stuff right so on the product uh, uh, i think what what asia customers make you do is really build a lot on the product uh-huh. right so when we go out and show the product to customers in the us or uk like it's amazing the number of times they say you can also do this you can also do that in a demo is not it's just refreshing right so uh, so uh, and and a bunch of we've always had an ai team i mean you had covered that for us many years ago right mm-hmm. uh, So we've had an AI team for a while, mm. right? So uh, now what that means is there is stuff on the product where you know it can nudge you to say, look, here is what you should run as a campaign next week, or here is stuff that uh, uh, you know you should do as a loyalty manager, right? So uh, so some of that AI coming to life means if 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 someone had you know twenty five people running a services company and supporting five customers, we probably need like five to do it. Mm. Right, so so that's really exciting, right? So if you look at some of these Forrester reports on us, they they talk about this nudge nudge uh, feature that we have. They talk about the whole AI pieces uh, that are pretty good uh, on the product side, right? So the second thing that we've done is, um, given we are API first uh, on everything, our ability to ingest uh, non-transaction data is really really good, right? So for a bunch of these customers. you know uh like they send us transaction data they send us click data they send us app data and, and that's again a big leap for you know most of these customers because their earlier platforms could not do it right uh 
needed like streaming data is when you look at interaction data it's like a host pipe of data coming to you right as compared to transaction data which is very little right i mean transaction data is not much uh, so some of that is also super exciting for a lot of these customers that look uh, you could then run loyalty on behavior and not just on transactions right that you open the app three times or you uh, you know like stuff like that right which is more interaction based play a game like one of our largest customers for football uh, the football world cup ran a, a football game on the app right which was kind of powered through our thing and there were 100000 players in the first day right so stuff like that right so uh, the last piece is of course generative ai uh, you know so now like i i love I, i wish i could show you a demo of this but if as a marketing manager you come in and say hey i want to run this kind of a campaign the tool now shows you five messages you can actually send saying uh, you know so we basically use the uh, chat gpt type stuff to come up with what are those how would you how should you word this for a young audience how should you word this for a you know more mature audience like give you those features right so you don't have to be creative on that uh, and the idea is to now extend that to actually email copies and content and uh, like some of our nuts stuff where we would earlier show you the inside a little cryptic way now actually it's almost like someone's put it on a ppt and sent you right it's like clean english uh, so yeah i think it's exciting times on the tech and product so in the back end do you do you like plug into chat gpt through an api and their sdks how does that work yeah yeah you know so i think the core data models of analytics and you know segmentation those are from our own ai teams and you know the core pieces on saying what basis the data set what should the customer do next that's coming from our own data sets but right now we're using chat gpt for more the you know the language and the usual stuff that you know most people are hopefully we get to use it for more over a period of time uh, do you see signs of that graduating to more sophisticated uh, you know software level work it's called copilot right the stuff mm. on github now uh, like some of the teams are starting to use it uh, mm. i think it's scary uh, if not uh, it's interesting right i mean that you probably there might be a time when you probably might not need like as many developers mm. you probably might just need like architects and people who can supervise the code and not necessarily like sit and code right so mm-hmm. so we do have some of some folks is trialing out the copilot and and some of that uh but but i i do think it's it's going to be it's very interesting uh i think definitely like it's kind of made ai real right for uh uh for the layman in some senses so yeah. i'm i'm curious about uh the thought process that got you to the decision that you'll hire a professional ceo walk us through that that thinking i mean is it helping you uh, focus more on product uh, focus more on the big picture for capillary you know so it, it was very uh, serendipitous i must say right so so we got first uh, we got samir first in as a independent board member hari uh, you know when we were you know we had filed for an ipo about 2 years ago and right. I was building the independent board up. Uh, I really wanted to get folks who are execution focused, who had built companies, who had built teams, uh, and so we got Neelam, uh, who ran HP earlier, and Microsoft earlier. We got Samir, who ran Cisco earlier. We got Farid, who was the CFO at. Uh, so really, a, a set of operators who could help us build, right? Build a enduring company in some senses. And so when we got, uh, so I asked around and said, "Look, I need someone who's really good at execution." 
right? Someone who gets execution like no one else. And there were a few names that came up. Samish was one of them. Luckily for us, he was just getting out of Cisco. And I said, look, why don't you come join us as a board member, right? So he joined in. Uh, and then I said, look, can you start helping me with execution? So this was like, you know, uh, October of 2021. And uh, by, by Feb, March, I realized that, look, I think we need one, two days of him every week. Right. So we got him in as a consultant in March uh, saying, look, why don't you come in, like help me with sales and marketing, help me with customer success, some of these pieces. Right. And then by August, I realized that, look, I think this guy is really good. <laughs> <laughs> right? So sometime in August is when I, uh, August 2022 is when I asked him the question of saying, look, I, would you want to do one more gig? Can you join us as the CEO? And so it, it was kind of like, you know, I could really see the difference that What's the difference in between uh, a founder who has vision and ideas and someone who is can is really good at execution, right? Uh, like, and it's a, it's stuff I just can't do, right? So, like for example, he's like the the focus with which we have four goals and it's only four goals, right? Like, if it were, if it were me, I would add one fifth one saying, hey, this this looks interesting to me, like two months into the year. Right. So very founder like stuff. Right. So like most founders like shiny objects, like changing plans. So uh, that way is, it, it's been it's been great to have him like he kind of uh, we shadowed each other from October to December. Jan 1st is when he took over as a CEO. And uh, it's been really good. You know, I think the like there was always this concern in the back of my mind that can we sustain this organic 30, 35 percent growth? Uh, and I think with him coming in, looks like you know, that's very doable, even as we as we grow. The second side is it's really freed up time for me, you know, so I now have time to really say, which is the companies you want to buy. Fundraising in this market is not easy, right? I mean, it, it, so we've been able to fundraise. Uh, some of that, I, I, I just don't think I would have been able to do it had I not had that time since October to really say, look, what next? Uh, what's the stuff that we should do? Uh, and some of that. So it's, it's it's really been great uh, having Samir on board. Mm. In fact, I would recommend uh, you know getting a professional CEO for most startups because I think it's different scaling and if it's different coming up with new ideas, right? So it's just very different. Okay, fair enough. Um, the the IPO plans. I mean, given now the focus on acquisitions and expanding aggressively in the US, the are you kind of putting the IPO plans on the back burner. I mean, of, of course, also the external conditions are different today. What's the latest on that? You know, I think uh, we did roadshows in from December to Jan, Feb, right? Uh, we did meet like 50 plus investors and it was a lot of learning, right? So I think uh, it was, um, I, I think the good piece about it was we got a lot of interest. Like we met 50 plus investors, like all the top guys met us. Right. So uh, just gave confidence that, look, people are looking at SaaS from India. Right. So uh, especially in Indian markets. Right. Because you generally told. Uh, but the flip side is also that I think what we also learned was I think Indian markets need EBITDA. It need free cash, need EBITDA. Uh, and so good learnings there for us. Right. So uh, unlike what we were generally told that, look, no, no, people just want a path to profitability and all that stuff. I don't think that's true. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, like. Indian investors rightfully need profitability. So, uh, and, and, uh, so at least our view right now, Hari, is that we should go out when we are at least 10% free cash generating. 
which is probably 12 to 18, 24 months from now. The good piece is that we've raised enough capital for these acquisitions. We've bunched more in the bank in case things go south. Uh, right. So we're quite well placed. Right. So my hope is sometime in 2025 is when we will look at the uh, IPO thing again. And at that point in time, hopefully we'll be at that 30% growth and 10% free cash. Right. Which is, I think, the right way of looking at rule of 40 for India, for an Indian public company. US is different, right? Rule of 40 with whatever laws doesn't matter in some senses. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so over the next 12, 18 months, what might be, you know, your sort of top priorities? I think uh, really two large priorities, if you ask me. Uh, so one is integration, 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 right? Mm. So uh, you've bought some good companies, very good customers, uh, right? So if you can integrate, like I said, we'd, we'd grow 70, 80% this year, right? So, and so a lot of my focus is on that, like the way we've split our, our efforts is Samir runs the organic side, I run the inorganic side. You know, and the idea is by the end of the year, I will, you know, we'll integrate some of this in and then that becomes part of organic next year, right? So, uh, so, so the first goal is integration on the, on the two acquisitions that we've done, uh, right? So, and hopefully if we do that right, then every year we can repeat this uh, formula, right? So, because lots of loyalty companies to buy, right? So that's not the, uh, the, the second side is the organic piece, right? So like consistent 30% organic growth with a 10% free cash uh, is the, so we kind of aligned the company on these two goals uh, largely. So yeah, that's, that's that. In, in recent times, uh, what changes are you seeing in the Indian SaaS ecosystem that you think are significant uh, going forward? Right. So, so one thing I, I think that's happening is, uh, um, I think almost everyone is going back to profitability, hmm. right? Almost everyone, uh, hmm. right? So whatever your rate of growth is, I think, uh, like, in fact, the big learning for me, even when I uh, was in the US for these IPO roadshows and stuff, was there's almost belief that, look, if you're spending 60, 70% of your revenue on sales and marketing and growing at 30, 35%, you will never make money. Right. So, and that you're hearing chorus from public market investors, private market investors, investors in India, everyone's saying that now, right? If you're spending 60, 70% on sales and marketing and growing at 30, 35, which is kind of what most of US SaaS was, right? And, and that's kind of coming down to like, you know, uh, what I think is getting discussed in most board meetings in SaaS companies also, right? So there's definitely a big switch to like, profitable growth in some senses, uh, right? So, and you're seeing that quite a bit, like, you know, break even months of 12 to 15 months at max, which earlier used to be even 36 months is okay, right? So, uh, some of that happening uh, uh, on the, the second, I think there's a big cooldown on talent, right? So you're able to hire much more easily now, uh, which I think is good because I think with what is happening in the last two, three years, you can't build profitable companies. Right? It, it's just, it just won't work, right? The the math. Uh, the third thing I'm very excited about is I do believe that Indian markets are better than US markets for SaaS from an IPO perspective. You know, uh, especially if you're profitable, because the the bar on the US markets is you know five six billion dollar of uh, valuation, 
you know below that you're an orphan right below 5 million dollars of market cap in the us you're an orphan right in india that mark that that mark is probably 4000 crores right and at 4000 crores you know most saas is going to be very niche right is going to be specifically you solved a problem very well right so and and i do think hence I, i'm actually i do believe that in 10 years you'll have better public saas companies here from india than in the us right as an in indian companies listing in the us will probably find it harder and will be more orphan uh than than you will see indian saas companies listing in india and you know doing well i think this is the nature of saas right more pointed products more focused products more vertical some of that i think is place for markets that can absorb smaller companies if for the lack of a better word or you know and i think indian markets do that very well so i think these three uh yeah. one data point i'm interested in you said the big cool down on talent um I mean, compared with today, uh, say 2022, early 2022, 2021, what kind of premiums were you guys, or was the industry paying for uh, talent? 30, 40, 50 percent more, or even bigger than that? So you know, 2021, uh, we had, we were hit with COVID, right? So as capillary, also we were hit with COVID because we were retail focused and we couldn't afford what was happening. The average employee that left capillary left at 80 percent high. Okay, <laughs> wow, right. So, in spite of us not having like wherever we were, we had to take a mid-year hike of like forty percent, so that the gap became like thirty, forty percent, and people would stick. That it's only a thirty percent hike; it's okay, right? So it, it was bad, right? So our our I mean, this is public data; it's there in our DRHP. Our annual attrition before COVID used to be five and a half percent a year, you know, and through COVID, it went up to like thirty-five, thirty-six percent. Uh, it, it was just crazy right i mean it was if if you're given an 80% hike you know okay you like an issue like capillary but will you stay <laughs> yeah. right so now that same attrition is down to about a percent 1.2% a month for us mm-hmm. right so so you can like it, it's really come back uh, right so all right very nice anish um Anything else you want to highlight in terms of uh, you know how things have changed in the world of Indian SaaS companies? Uh, any anecdotes, maybe? You know, I think uh, there are a couple of anecdotes. I don't know how you would want to use these, but the first time we tried to do US and UK, right? Uh, like this was twenty twelve to twenty fourteen. That those three years, you know, I was at this uh, retail week event in the UK. It's the largest uh, retail event in the UK, right? So. there was this uh, speaker i don't know remember i don't remember who uh he gave a speech he came down and i was standing right beside there trying to take his card and you know reach out and i i i asked him that look uh, um you know can i have your card we are a, a retail tech company from bangalore india right so and the first response he gave was that look uh, uh we don't we don't outsource services to india uh, we don't we don't outsource services as a company Right? so even before i could tell him that look we are a saas company we are a product like uh today i'm actually like we have 16 fortune uh, 200 companies as customers in the us and uk now right so i think the world has changed like you know so it just like earlier you had to justify why someone had to buy software from india right not services but like software or saas from india that's not the case anymore right so it's incredible right? so i i think that's the biggest For me, it's a little bit like I saw the US in 2013, 14, and then I'm seeing it now in 2021, 22, right? So that's the, if you ask me, that's the biggest change, right? So uh, 
like like we I had, we had one customer in 2013 who came to our bangalore office and actually said this to us that look i don't know why i have traveled this far to buy software from here you know you, i don't hear that now right so so i i, I do think I, i do personally very strongly think that uh, as india we can build very deep products right because the cost of engineering is low and what very large enterprises really want is very deep products right because the use cases are unique the use cases are different and it's not the smb stuff right that okay if it if it works i will still buy right so large enterprises really want deep products right so as a net result we now we have multiple customers who pay us 3 4 million dollars a year right which we couldn't have dreamt of like 10 years ago right so i do think and large enterprises anyway spend the highest amount of money on software right uh, so i'm personally very excited about you know large enterprise focused place coming out of india uh, just given the the math around all this and that really playing out well you can see that on forester as well right the number of indian companies which now head their uh, quadrants or head their waves is not small you know you're starting to see that whole trend of people saying look uh, highest rated product globally from from india now in in the large enterprise space not just mid market or on a g2 or 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 some of that so i think that's one trend i would definitely uh, uh, say is 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 working when hmm. nice. really uh, insightful anish as always thank you for making time for me and definitely hope to keep the conversation going so thanks so much ali thanks for having me that's it for this conversation i hope you found it interesting you can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast app i'm hariarkli thank you for listening